Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and the turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, able to tell you a better route, skilled in giving directions from the back seat, and interested in getting there faster. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator who knows the best way to get there. Ben, you didn't say your backseat driver. I don't know if you wanted. He's I'm shaking he, it up, baby. Shaking it up. I'm shaking okay. it up. You can't keep me in my lane. Which, I'm which sorry. is why I responded to his shakeup. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified expressive arts therapist, ready to fix all of the things that happen when we go off-roading by accident. Your mechanic. All right, grab the wheel, listener, and let's hit the road. Today's quote is by Albert Schweitzer. Do not lose heart, even if you must wait a bit before finding the right thing. Be prepared for disappointment also, but do not abandon the quest. Oof, be prepared for disappointment. Last week, we spoke with Dr. Stiles, who shared a great deal about the Highlands Ability Battery and the whole person model. Today, we're digging into three of the elements that go into the model. If you remember from episode one, there are eight parts to the whole person model. What's neat is that you can discover seven out of eight of those parts on your own. The Highlands Ability Battery just helps you define abilities. We'll include a link to an image of the whole person model in our show notes, and I'd highly encourage you to take a look when you get a chance. Please don't look if you are driving while you listen to this podcast. These more detailed episodes will make a bit more sense if you've seen the visual aid. First, though, can we talk more about how to use the model as a whole? It's a circle, and I don't really know where to start. Do you start at 12 o'clock and then just go around once, twice, three times? Strike, you're out. Never out. You can find more information in a book called Don't Waste Your Talent. And that really describes how to use the whole model altogether. It would be wonderful if you could do it one time and be done. The challenge is that life continues to evolve. Things continue to evolve. I but, wish it wouldn't. Yeah, sometimes I wish it wouldn't either. But hey, the world there changes. are a lot of things that I wish would change in the world right now. Yes, that's true. That's true. Lots of changes I would like to see. <laughs> okay. I was thinking changes that pertain to what I do for a living. But even that, what you're talking about. Still lots that. of changes yeah, yeah. I would like to see. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm following along. Change is hard, though, Kim. Change is hard. But it's so good for you. Okay. I prefer folding bills to change. In any case. So with those changes, different opportunities come up. So you have to adjust your plan periodically. So what I suggest to folks is once a year in your birth month, take a weekend and go off by yourself. Take with you your calendar from the year before and a calendar for the next year. And then review all the things that happened in the past year. What progress did you make against your goals? Take a look at your goals and decide, are these still the ones I want or add or subtract from those? And then make a plan for the next year to accomplish the rest of your goals. Is this something uh, you've done yourself, Don? 
Yes, as a matter of fact, I have. Not so much annually, probably in the last 10 years, but in the late 90s, shortly after I took the Highlands, learned about the Highlands Ability Battery, I did do this every year and I used it to adjust the goals in my companies, my personal goals, adapting to changes there, major changes, as a matter of fact. So it's been very helpful. And my goals changed from when I was, whatever that was, 37, roughly. And, and and I was in a state of, I'm going to own this huge company and make millions of dollars. And that was ridiculous because that's not actually a goal of mine. Never really has been. And So I, you don't feel like it, it was a goal of yours then that has changed? Do you feel like it was never a goal, but for some reason you thought it was? It was a goal I thought I was supposed to do because of society. Okay. Yeah. And not really what's in my heart. And I've done more of what's in my heart, which is what helped me come to the conclusion about creating a life worth celebrating that we've talked about before in other episodes. So you have to go and look at your plan uh, and look at all of the elements of your plan. And sometimes things change because there are new things in the world. From when I started in college to now, there are thousands of jobs that exist today that never existed when I started college. We wouldn't have even thought about them when I started in college. So it's an amazing thing to look at in the world. What about you, Kim? Have you, I know we've all taken the ability battery. Have you gone back and at, at some regular interval reviewed this and thought about your goals and that kind of stuff? Nothing at a regular interval. Um, How about an irregular interval? My senior year of undergrad and my graduating year of graduate school, ironically, I looked at it mainly because it travels with me. And so when I was moving, it popped up because I had to pack it. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I would go back and read through it. It's still comical to me thinking about the huge educational shift that I made switching over to be psychology instead of marine science. It's cool to read back on. Definitely reminds me, like, no matter how hard I try, I am not an auditory learner. <laughs> And so all of these lecture-based things are really hard for me. And I always beat myself up over it because I'm like, I should be able to learn through a lecture. And that's just not how my brain do. Though yesterday I had bought myself some flowers and while I was arranging them in their little pot, I smiled at myself because one of the things on my Highlands Ability Battery is consistently that I should be a florist. A weird alternative, Kim. Yes. Florist Kim. Yeah. Shocking absolutely no one. I don't think I had looked at my Highlands Ability Battery <laughs> since I took it. And I have pulled it out for this series of episodes we're doing. But shocking me, I am in a, a period of kind of change and career shifting. And so it's a perfect time to be looking at it. So that's kind of cool. But it's a lot of work to do anything on a regular basis. And it's a lot. It's this is a lot of personal work, not just the Ability Battery, but all of this whole person model and the self-reflection involved. Don't take it lightly. It's not when Don says, go away somewhere for a weekend and do this. He's not kidding. It takes a lot of energy to reflect at this level, but it is valuable and important. Kim, what elements are we going to dig into today? All right. So today we're talking about abilities, skills, and interests. Gaskets and carburetors and plugs. Oh my. And just real quick to interject, if you do go to the link in the show notes, you'll see a circle diagram. And these are the kind of the first third from maybe one o'clock to five o'clock on the diagram. 
Like I was saying, today we're talking about abilities, skills, and interests. That being said, we already talked about abilities pretty extensively in our first two sessions. Abilities, we got them. Just a reminder, in case we've forgotten our abilities or we don't learn auditorially, our abilities are the behaviors that happen quickly and easily. These are the things that are hardwired into your brain. The difference between abilities and skills, skills are the things that we learn. They might take a little bit more effort. These are behaviors that you learn through education in school, in jobs, at home, all the stuff that you accumulate and bring into your life with new knowledge. Are skills more specific than abilities? In the Highlands Ability Battery, I have ability in pitch discrimination. And then a skill associated with that would be like specifically playing the piano or something like that. Some more specific thing. So more specifically, playing something that doesn't have fixed pitch. So a piano has fixed pitch. Uh, A guitar does not. Uh, A fretless bass has less. A violin has less than that. All the woodwinds have less singing. So you would be able to discriminate pitches well enough to use instruments that are not already determined for you. You would think so, wouldn't you? Actually, I know so with you, so let's not even go there. The other thing that it does is it means that you'll be able to notice very fine differences in all five of your senses, not just auditorily. So that's the one we measure, but your senses tend to co-vary. So that might mean that you can see colors better or smell things. You might have a finer palate. You might have a very pretty nose, Ben. Right. It's quite small. But the thing about abilities and skills, you're right that abilities are a little bit broader and skills can be narrower. And when you combine natural ability with great skill training, you have the potential to be very talented in that particular area. But that's not part of the circle. That's not part of the diagram. Don't Correct. get confused. No, it's it's not part of the diagram, but it is the relationship, as you were pointing out, between abilities and skills. Gotcha. Cool. What about skills that you don't want? One of the things with skills is if you don't practice them on a regular basis, you don't tend to remember them quite as well. Now, some things are going to be stuck with you forever, like the CPT codes at Harris Teeter. 4011 is banana, and I will never forget it, unfortunately. I worked that job from 2012 to 2019 on and off. That's a skill associated with the ability of number memorization and organization. And then the skill was being able to match the numbers to the specific item. Is there an inherent value to learning a skill? I think. I I can safely speak for many kids going through school when you get to a class that you don't really like very much or aren't very interested in. I think the classic complaint is, well, I'm never going to use this in the real world, but we're still required to learn those skills. Why is that? Well, one, because the education system is not always the best. There are different ways we could learn. I don't particularly like the American education system. Boy, a topic for a different episode. Yes. And there's something about learning, even though it's something that you don't want to. So it might not come easily, but it's a challenge. And when you put yourself in forms of challenge, you're able to learn 
in different ways. So let me jump in then on, on this particular one. So one of the things about schools and them exposing you to a lot of different skills, some of which you may have the ability for and some of which you may not have the ability for, is to let you discover things that exist in the world that might interest you, that might draw you into something new. And not everything that you'll try will do that. As Kim was pointing out, the Harris Teeter codes, she learned them. She actually used them quite well and would help other cashiers and would prefer never to use them again. <laughs> Though I still do because I still shop at Harry's Teeter and I still use self-checkout. Well, there you go. And so it's still helpful. I have skills in the old-fashioned way of splicing telephone cables. That's a job I did when I was in high school. I'd spliced cable for the telephone company. It was a good job. I know how to do it. I never want to do it again. And probably they don't do it anymore. <laughs> it's probably antiquated, eh? Yeah, so am I. So there you go. So... A thing about learning skills is discipline, developing discipline to do something that may not have your interest. And that discipline in and of itself is a powerful thing. So you've touched on interests now, which is the next part of the model. How do interests play into the whole person model and what we're talking about here? Let me go back to skills just a second before we go on to interests. One of the reasons to look at the skills that you've learned is to determine here are skills I really don't want to use again. I have them. I did them. Thank you. Move on. Sometimes there are skills that you learn that you no longer have the opportunity to use because life has gotten in the way. Raising children, busy jobs, that kind of stuff. But you want to remember those skills so that you can use them as hobbies when time frees up for you. I'm greatly looking forward to the time when I can start turning wood again and doing some carpentry stuff. What are you going to turn it into? Probably bowls and <laughs> things like that. So I can't believe I can't believe Don missed that pun. Oh, no, I got the pun, but I answered a question, too. In any case, um, don't you can't play like that. You were completely oblivious. It's fine. You'll have to catch them all. <laughs> You're going to have to edit a lot because we're not staying on topic very well. So it's important to look at those skills, understand them and sort them for yourself. So don't run too far away from them. Skills tied with abilities can become talents. Honing your abilities through skills is a great way to find things that you like to do that will get you into flow. And this is where interest comes in. So Ben, you were asking about interests. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi wrote a book called Flow. So what flow is, is a state where you're working on something and it fascinates you so much that you lose track of time. It's also on the edge of your skill level. The challenge that you have is on the edge of your skill level so that it pushes you to not only use a skill, but to learn and refine that skill as you solve the problems around it. This is a fascinating place. And sometimes if you get into it, you'll forget to eat, you'll forget to go to the bathroom, you, you'll just lose track of time. Do you think that people with ADHD have an easier time getting into flow when they find stuff that like they enjoy working on? One of the elements of ADHD for some people is hyper-focus. Right. So they'll fall into a hyper-focus state and have a hard time breaking away from it. Hard to tell if that's flow or if that's part of the prefrontal lobe not working quite the way it's supposed to work. Achieving a state of flow, would we agree, is a desirable thing? 
a part of the reflection you were doing on um, your skill in splicing cables versus carpentry is what you were talking about at the top of the episode, where you're thinking about skills that you have that maybe you can't or don't have time to use now, but might use in the future. And that's part of that reflection. You could conceivably decide, I'm done with psychology and I'm going to become a carpenter. Uh, I'm going to do a career shift. That could be a different way of approaching the same kind of reflection. I have this skill and this potentially interest and ability, all of the things we've been talking about, and you want to make a change in your life to uh, utilize that more. So flow plays into that. That's something that is good. We want to be passionate and deep in our skills and abilities in this way. But can it also be negative if you are getting lost in skills that are distracting you from other parts of your life or aren't maybe contributing to, I don't know, surviving in society, that kind of thing? Yes. Like with many things in life, any isolated portion of a whole that becomes the totality, so this portion becomes the totality instead of the whole, can be called an addiction. So now you're engaging in this behavior to the detriment of the rest of your life, and you're doing it without your own control. There's no ability to balance it with other things. It's dangerous to just do one thing, like it's dangerous to just eat one food or do many other things that are isolated activities or behaviors. You really need to look at the whole person model and, and all of the elements and balance those to some degree. Have them at least contribute to the things that you're doing and how much of each of those things that you're doing. So we often hear of artists who get lost in doing art and they don't take care of their relationships or their families and their families leave them and then they cut an ear off and all kinds of other things bad happen to them. That's an, an example of that kind of addiction to the flow experience. And probably in Van Gogh's case, some other mental health issues, but yes, a good example. <laughs> just a, a few. And of course, that's why it's the whole person model and not just one of these components. Right. And, and not the flow person model. So what do you say to people when they're struggling with, I have abilities, I have skills, I have interests, I've figured out what those things are, but none of those things are going to make me a livelihood, or I'm not willing to figure out how to make a livelihood out of them. But the point of the whole person model is hopefully to try and find a career that is also fulfilling to you. But if you are unwilling or unable to leverage your abilities, skills, and interests towards that career, what do you say to folks who are in that position? So this is a great place to balance work that derives money from work that is pure joy. And you can do both. You can work and get the cash that you need to have a mortgage or drive a car or feed your family and then create time, which is another revenue source that you can engage in your, your hobby that fulfills another aspect of who you are. Uh, I see this a lot. I actually have worked with several surgeons and dentists who love their work and that's how they make their money, but they create time so that they can do, in these particular cases, sculpture. They have a huge artistic expression. They want to use the, some of the same skills and abilities that they use in surgery or dentistry to carve or sculpt with modeling clay and other kinds of things, works of art. They don't want to make their living with the art part. They want to make their living with the 
the degrees that they've gotten and they've created time. So they've reduced their income just a bit. So they have time to do these other things. That's an example of one of the ways to balance these things. I also had a really good friend before I ever did the Highlands Ability Battery. He's the one who taught me how to splice cable, who spliced cable for a living saved his money, organized his life so that he could do all of the things that he loved, which was fishing and Outer Banks kinds of stuff. Except it wasn't the Outer Banks because it was up in Virginia. I think it's interesting, the dentist example, because you mentioned even that they are still using some abilities and skills that apply to both, basically. So that, that is someone who has figured out a way to leverage their abilities and skills and maybe not quite interests into their career. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't, it doesn't sound like those folks would say that their career is not fulfilling at all. And that's an excellent balance. That's great. I, I guess I was thinking of someone who just can't, it's completely different. And we have, uh, I would say culturally, uh, desire to, there's this dream of the fulfilling career, the thing, do what you love that kind of stuff. And that's not easy. It's not easy for anybody, but it's also just not the case for a lot of people. That's really true. And I have worked with people who are computer programmers or attorneys where they're good at what they do, but it's not fulfilling. It doesn't feed their heart, which is the way that I term it. Other work does, you know, and that could be So I remember an attorney that I worked with in the 90s who had skills in carpentry and we created the opportunity for him to make furniture and he sold it at North Carolina State Fair and it was wonderful for him. It was never going to be his living, but it alleviated some of the pain and stress that being an attorney brought for him. And it's interesting. We're talking about a lot of careers that kind of have that higher paying opportunity working with people who and this is where I've been working who work kind of those jobs that mama calls them grunt jobs where you wake up you do it you go home and it's not exactly the most enjoyable thing so fast food industry working at Harris Teeter as a cashier I have yet to find someone who's like yeah this is the best job I've ever had I love it. And I've worked in that industry for quite a while. Not many people are absolutely thrilled about that type of job or feel very passionately about it. Mm -hmm. And also, a lot of people who work those jobs don't have the option to take time off or don't have the resources to be able to add some kind of creative passion pastime to their lives. And so... That's a really hard one to navigate, and I still struggle with that with several of my clients because a lot of the times it's triage of what fire is happening in your life this week that we can work on. But when you're in that level of survival mode of just getting all of the basics met, you can lose out on all of this opportunity for finding other things in your life. I just, I think it's important to have both ends of this, of the people who have these careers where they are capable of having the resources to slow down their schedule or take time away. And also these people who don't have that luxury in their life. And so it becomes this uh, pressure cooker of how do we find release for all of these abilities that they have that might not be represented in their work. 
Sure. And it's hard to create a life worth celebrating when you're in the grind, and particularly if you have to work two jobs and you're taking care of children and doing all the rest of that stuff. So, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Always happy to bring us down. But it's important to note that in some ways, this whole concept, the whole person model, the ability battery, all of it is is a privilege, is a thing that not everybody has access to. That's correct. And it's great and really valuable and important if you're in a place where you're kind of like, I don't feel super great about my life, but like the basics are all kind of there to step back and do this kind of reflection, self-reflection and, and make some choices moving forward. But it's definitely important to recognize that not everybody has the ability to do that. True. And the world loses an incredible amount of talent because we don't get it out to all of the kids and young adults that could use it and create better lives. Yeah. So coming back to interests, the last part of this segment of the whole person model, how do I know what my interests are? How, what kind of reflection do I need to do to discover interests? You have to have fun. No. Yeah. You have to go out and have fun. There are a couple ways to do this. You can use the inventory. Of... Do, I, do I push B on the controller to open the inventory? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> yes, definitely... I'm sorry. It is up C. I don't care what you're talking about. It's up C. Up C? Yeah. You remember from the N64 controller? Oh my gosh. We've gone retro. Heck yeah. Inventory. You can find inventories of different jobs, skills, interests, that's all online. You can also just think about what stuff that catches your attention. For me, growing up, I was big into dance. I was big into art. And I was big into fish, specifically yes. sharks. But yeah. these were things that caught my interest. And so I wanted to look into them. I don't remember where the fish and sharks thing came in. I was just like, dude, these are awesome. We went to an aquarium and you became okay. so fascinated with all of the different kinds of life that are in there the ocean. Go. And the fact that no one knows anything about the ocean. It's insane. <laughs> we know so little. It really is pretty amazing. And I just love, I absolutely love that. But these are things where I was like, ooh, I want to know more. And that's where your interests come in, is what's something that you look at it and go, I want to know more. People will look at cars. How does this work? I want to know more about this. Dom looked at the brain and said, ooh, I want to know more. Don's brain had a little bit of an existential crisis as it tried to figure itself out. Because I started as an engineer. Hey, you had curiosities in that regard. The yes, brain is a different type of engine. It's really important to lean into yourself with curiosity of what's something that I find easy to get absorbed into? What's something that when I hear about it, I go, ooh, I want to know more about this. If you have a book collection, read through your book collection. See what if there's any themes in the books that you own or themes in the TV shows that you watch. According to my recently watched on Netflix, I should have been like a whole criminology professor or something. You uh -huh. have a minor in criminology, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> a criminal florist. A florist by day, a detective by night. And somewhere in there, also a therapist and an artist. Um, and it's important to inventory just what you do, the yeah. things that you do that don't have necessarily payment associated with them, just because you're attracted to doing them. And it could even be listening to music, not creating music. So you might have something that sound might 
play into. Or and then you become uh, a DJ. Yeah. Or looking at art. So you don't have to be an artist to be in art. There are lots of people, curators, lots of other folks that, that do incredible jobs, actually. And th that's the other thing that's amazing out there. There are way more jobs than most people know about. There's certainly way more jobs than schools can show you or expose you to. This is really where you need folks in your life who are going to take you outside of the box and show you all the different possibilities that exist. Hey, yeah, people will pay you to that. do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yes, it's true. And if you're looking for people to take you outside of the box. Oh, not me. Us. I live in the box. <laughs> come find us at Azevedo. The ad. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's hey, it. it was Shutting great. it down. Hey, that was a beautiful line. Don't. Yeah, it, except it, you actually it always didn't is, Kim. It. If you're looking for someone to take you outside of the box, you can find us at Azevedo Family Psychology. The new tagline of AFP, taking you outside the box. Okay, to sum up, we talked about the first section of the whole person model this week. Make sure you check out the link in the show notes so you can see the diagram because it'll make a little bit more sense that way. This first section is abilities, skills, and interests. And of course, we've already been talking about abilities and the relationship between abilities and skills for the past couple weeks. But we added interests this week and we talked about taking some time to reflect on skills and interests in addition to your abilities, which is a big part of creating a fulfilling life. You have to be curious about your own life. Surprise! Next week, we're going to cover the next section, which is personal style, family, and values. I'm pretty excited to talk about personal style, wardrobe, haircut, beard styling, etc. That's what I assume it is. But until then, enjoy the drive. And also, don't forget to join our Facebook group. You can talk to us. We're there. We'll say hi. And if you have a minute, write us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email Ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm -hmm.